everybody it is april 2nd this is not an april fool's joke uh we are here and i'm here with one of my best friends jordan gross uh jordan you are incredible man you pump out books like there is no tomorrow and speaking of tomorrow we're going to be talking about your new book what happens in tomorrow world how are you doing man i'm great i'm so glad you got the book i was gonna ask you if you received it but uh yeah, I've received it and like all your books, man, I am excited to read it. Um, you are you are a thought leader. And and just so you all know, Jordan is one of those guys that we can chat and we can just literally like you could talk about any subject and you have some kind of thesis or thought process or a good question. And so I just really appreciate how you show up in the world and appreciate what you're doing in stories and personal development. It's you, you're you're only scratched the surface so far, um, and I don't. Are, are you familiar with uh, BitClout? No. What's that? Okay, so it's essentially a a social media that you can um, that is also tied to the blockchain. And mm-hmm. to make a long story short, each person has their own coin. Mm. So if you were on there or when you're on there, I would go all in on your coin. How's that for an <laughs> intro? All right. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I love that intro and. Thank you so much, Caleb. And and yeah, I think, you know, stories are just fun, man. They're just fun. Like when we chat, it's always a good time because we have a story to share afterward. So the more we can talk about stories and have these memories of pivotal moments or just the average day-to-day moments, right? Um, stories create such an abundance of, of memories that can really stick with you. And that's why I believe, you know, in, in advice, really, it's not, it's not just personal development, professional development, it's just advice. I see stories as such a beautiful way to become a persuasive tool that, you know, that's, that's just why I want to share stories all the time and create these stories about personal development and professional development and whatnot. I love it. So I want to just let everybody know that if you're watching this or listening to this, you can go to Amazon, you can go to anywhere books are sold because congratulations on the publishing deal and get what happens in Tomorrow World. And I know that for a published author, um, getting reviews are super, super vital. And so I would ask if anyone takes the time to get your book, if they would also take five minutes out of their day to review it after they're done reading it, um, because that really helps out. So, Jordan, what I would love is to get a little bit of your backstory. Yeah. It's not the first time you've been on the show. Uh-huh. Um, but I want to get a little bit of your backstory. I want to get a little bit of what is personal development. And then I want to get, I want to talk about this book. And, yeah. And the power of story. And qu- quite frankly, we needed this book o- a year ago. So I'm glad it's coming out. And I'm excited to just just uh, gain what, what value we're going to have in, in just this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the reviews comment. And just a caveat, only if you like it, you know, no fake reviews. Uh, If you don't like it, leave a a one star review. But if you enjoy the book and the message and the story that's being shared with the lessons being delivered, then those reviews are super helpful. And that's really appreciated, Caleb. Um, So me, I, I always try to tell a different story with my background. I don't remember if I told this story to you when I was on the last time, but I would say that my, my adventure into storytelling and trying to make a a slight difference in the world came from 
when I was about seven years old, I started a lemonade stand and I got a couple of my buddies and our parents were involved and we set up on the corner of a sort of busy intersection in our hometown and we sold lemonade and cookies and we had a great day. We brought our, our baseball gloves and people were stopping by. But what was different about this lemonade stand was that we didn't want to just make, you know, a shiny quarter or half dollar dollar for the lemonade and cookies that we were selling. What we actually wanted to do was when I was seven years old, it was 2001 and a couple of weeks after my seventh birthday was 9-11-2001. And even though I was such a young kid, I, I still understood that people were acting differently. People were somber. They were trying to, you know, disguise their emotions. Adults were for kids. They were trying to explain what happened, right? And they were just different. So because there was a difference in the way that people were behaving, I wanted to do something and, and try to make people smile, make people happy again. So this lemonade stand was created in honor of the families in my neighborhood, because I'm from New York. So there were people directly influenced by 9-11. Um, all the money was donated to families and victims of 9-11. So ever since that lemonade stand story, I have, I have sort of really wanted to create things, build relationships, understand people, all with the ultimate goal of, of bettering others, but also bettering society too. It's just been really important to me to see people being uplifted, right? So always this mindset of the entrepreneurial mindset of creating and doing things a little differently, standing out has been within me somewhere, but I was on the more traditional path, like in college, and then I got a master's degree my first year after college. Um, but it wasn't until I really dove into writing that I embraced going out on my own, being different, this personal development through creative storytelling mindset, um, and then wrote a couple of books and do a couple of other things. And basically it's just me. So it's like a self-sustaining solopreneurial adventure, but all with the understanding that I'm trying to tell this awesome story for my grandkids one day, right? I want them sitting on my lap. I'm in a rocking chair and I'm telling them this nonlinear zigzagged, exciting extravaganza, as opposed to just the I did this for 30 years and it was boring and it was this and I wish I would have done that. Like, no, I, I want to encourage and also for myself, like do what I want to do now and, and make it sustainable and sort of live that that kind of life. I love it, man. I, I uh, the idea of legacy and documentation. I mean, if you just if you just stay consistent with putting your stories and thoughts into a book. Think about think about the library of value, knowledge, cringy moments. I'm sure if if you stay consistent, you're like, oh, did I I wrote that 20 years ago? Right. Um, but I just think, man, keep it up, and and yeah. you always got a place and a stage uh, with my audience. Just just because, again, I love how you think, and I love your commitment to not just writing just to write, but your let's write stories that ultimately transfer 
in the real world. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where I think there's there's a home run in in there because um, you look at the power of fiction and then you look at the power of um, uh, personal development and they're both really big sectors. Yeah, there's very few people and and one of the books that comes to my mind is actually The Go Giver, super uh-huh. impactful book. Yeah, one of my favorites. And uh-huh. what they do, they took a story, put it in real real life value, personal development, and it's one of the most impactful books that I've ever read. Yeah. And so that's what I kind of think of when, when I think of your projects and your yeah. books that you're writing. Yeah. Bob, Bob and John are, are two really valuable friends and mentors of mine now. And you're so, it's one of my favorite books too. And I, I wanted, when I got into personal development, I wanted to, and this is a business lesson or a, a money lesson forever. Whoever's listening right now, like it is so important to ultimately, you know, start in the big ocean, right? Like personal development, self-help. And that's great. And that's where my first book was. But then how do you, how do you turn that ocean into a river, a stream, a pond, yeah. and ultimately a puddle, right? So you're the only puddle that somebody can, can step into, right? So it's just about niching down. And as I was doing more writing and reading, I just gravitated toward these stories like The Go-Giver and like the books that I write now because it was edutainment, right? It was education and entertainment. And I had more fun with them. It wasn't prescriptive advice. Nobody was telling me exactly what to do. I wasn't overwhelmed by one book telling me one thing and one book telling me another thing. I got to read a story and relate to the characters and have some emotional appeal with it. And it really felt like a way less stressful process to say, hey, I want to live a life like that character. I want to be like that character. I want to stay away from the plot line of this story and ultimately carve my own path, right? So yeah, it, 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 it is a really nice intersection of personal growth, um, fiction, and it brings in a lot of those elements of just pure enjoyment of bettering yourself, right? Because this should be a fun process, you know, you should yeah. have fun. So let's, let's uh, delve into your book uh, right now about what happens in tomorrow world in, in, from the title, what what can someone like gain? Like, w- what's the purpose of the book? Why did you write it? And what is like the premise of of how it's laid out? Yeah, so I wrote this book the first four days of quarantine. This was last March, March twenty twenty. I was in New York in my apartment, um, and I just kind of I had another book come out last year, and I just. I didn't feel right promoting it anymore. I didn't feel right doing much except trying to create something that was going to help people with the uncertainty that was going on in this world. And right. I I think when we heard all the news reports going on, when the pandemic hit, the two most common words were uncertainty and unprecedented, These unprecedented times. Nobody knows what's going to happen. And how I saw that was, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So that's where the title comes from, What Happens in Tomorrow World. And then the subtitle is a modern day fable about navigating uncertainty. And the reason, you know, I I wanted to write something that was relatable to the times. I wanted to write something that was important. I wanted to write something that was also evergreen and everlasting. That's why I turned it into a fable and with the characters and whatnot. But um, yeah, the, the story, the quick story of how the, the book actually came to be was 
in addition to what I just mentioned about just wanting to write something about uncertainty, as I sat down to start typing, my grandma called me. And this was my, my grandma, Harriet. It's important to dis distinguish between the two grandmas. My grandma, Harriet, calls and she's checking in on me to see if everything's okay. She knows I'm in this. She's 90, 91 years old, beautiful, amazing woman. And she's, she's just calling to check in and say, hey, Jordan, what's going on? How are you, sweetie? What's, what's happening? Oh, you're so great. I think, you know, everything's going to be fine. We're going to get through this. Um, she had a very positive, upbeat, optimistic approach to the pandemic. And sure, she was scared, but she she believed that there are brighter days ahead. Tomorrow was going to be okay. Hang up the phone. Get another call from my other grandma, Grandma Ellie. And Grandma Ellie calls, and she she's uh, more of a worrier. And she's just saying, can you believe the world we live in? Everything is is going, you know, everything is terrible and what's going to happen and so many people are dying and this is a travesty, a nightmare. We're never going to make it through this. And that was the the dynamic that I had between these two grandma calls. And, and when Grandma Ellie hung up after our conversation of more so like me trying to tell her like, no, I think everything's going to be okay. Don't worry. Um, I, I thought, I was like, wow, two grandmas, two people in my life, two totally different approaches to the uncertainty in this world. And my two grandpas passed away, but I started thinking, I was like, if they were around, how would they be acting right now? What would their response to uncertainty be? And I had one grandpa, Grandpa Morty, who was Ellie's husband, who to me, he was always the, the chill and different kind of guy, you know? And, and I like to use the example of weather because weather is such an uncertain thing. Like you never know what the weather's actually gonna be. So if we're all sitting talking about weather, Grandma Ellie, the, the pessimist would be like, oh, it's, it's a terrible day outside. It's gonna rain, it's cloudy. And Grandma Harriet, the optimist would say, no, 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 it's partly sunny. Like there's sun, the sun is out, it's gonna be nice weather. And then Grandpa Morty would kind of just say like, why, why are you guys babbling about the weather? Who cares? It's just weather, you know? like." relax. Um, so that I feel would have been his approach. And then I had another grandpa, grandpa, David, grandma, Harriet's husband, who he would kind of be the last one to talk. He was a man of few words, one of those sort of gentle, wise, older gentlemen. And, and he would say something like, we don't know what the weather's going to be. We can't control what the weather's going to be. The weather might be sunny. It might be rainy. No matter what the weather is, we, we do have an opportunity to continue forward and, and embrace the day, right? So there I had these four distinct approaches to uncertainty. And I did some more research. Like I make sure to do interviews and research online, um, various you know studies and journals about uncertainty and whatnot. And I, I decided that these were really four distinct categories when it comes to the mindset related to navigating change and uncertainty, optimism, pessimism, indifference, and sort of like a stoic approach. So I ended up naming the characters in the book after these four approaches, um, Opti, who's Grandma Harriet, the optimist, Pessy, who's Grandma Ellie, the pessimist, Chill, who's Grandpa Morty, the chill and different guy, and Sage, who is Grandpa David, the wise 
the wise person. Um, and what I did with the book was as I was thinking about these characters, don't ask me how or why. I would say my storytelling method is just a, uh, an accumulation of books I've read, movies I've watched, songs I've heard, um, you know, experiences I've had, dances I've seen, everything coming together. And I created this, this modern day fable about a crane game at an arcade where there's this giant crane, which is like the uncertainty or the pandemic. And it is about to scoop up these toys in the crane game. And there are four main toys, Opti, Pessy, Sage, and Chill are four different toys within the crane game. And the entire book is told through their perspective as to what's going to happen if the crane scoops them up and brings them into a tomorrow world that they have never seen before. So it's about the mindsets and what ultimately unravels when you do enter into tomorrow world and how you're going to best and most appropriately react and respond to those situations of uncertainty in the future. Jordan, that was one of the best book summaries. <laughs> I, I mean, still get his book, by the way. Uh, now everyone wants to because that makes a ton of sense. One of the questions that came to my mind, is, what is the difference, without giving away the, the secret of the book, what is the difference between the sage and the optimist? Mm. So, what do you call it? Opti? Opti. Opti and sage, yeah. So there is a, a major difference, actually. And, and I'll give it through the example of... Um, myself right and and sometimes i am opti where you see uncertainty and you are forthright you are dead set on the future being brighter you you pump up the team you're the cheerleader um i personally am somebody who would say like like everything is going to work out don't worry about it. everything's going to be okay everything's going to be fine you just have to put a smile on right but that opti approach may not work for somebody like Pessy, where they might say, you don't know what you're talking about. How can you say that? You know, you, you don't know what the future is going to be. So that optimistic approach isn't necessarily always one that people can get behind. One of my other mentors, John Gordon, who is another personal development through creative storytelling writer, he writes a ton of fables and whatnot. He wrote The Energy Bus, The Garden. Um, coffee beans, so many great books. He describes optimism in a way that is more like sage. So he, he shares this. He says, optimism is not the rah-rah cheerleader we always think of. Optimists are people who understand that the future is going to happen or whatever is going to happen is going to happen, but we can work to make it better. Right. So that's the sage approach. It's that we can't control what's going to happen, but we can work to make it better going forward. Right. We can get through it. We can understand it. We can learn and grow and develop and move forward. Right. So that's a little bit of the difference. It's almost like sometimes optimists can divert from the reality of the situation, whereas the sage approach is more so it is what it is and we can work to make it better i i do a very good job to keep politics out of the show but but i have to i have to say i think of politics now and i think of the approach to something like the pandemic it's 
this thing is happening and it's not going to be good. But let's focus on what we can control, how we show up. Mm -hmm. And you can still be optimistic in the fact of like, we can't, we can't, like, there's only so much we can do, but how can we handle that versus saying like, oh, it's all going to be okay. It's all going to, and it's like, I don't know. I don't know if this is, it's just just a, a lesson. And, And if you're a business owner listening to this or watching this, this is, this potentially has been the hardest year. And by the way, it, it's not going to be a cakewalk this year either. Mm-hmm. And yet, um, there, there. I just listened to a podcast on someone that said there was so much opportunity within the tragedies that happened because there's opportunities everywhere. So is that a good is that a good summary of saying like, listen, we can't control what, what's going on, but we can c- control how we show up mm-hmm. and 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 really make. Um, I'm forgetting the phrase, but really make maybe lemonade out of lemons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's a beautiful summary. And and like you're saying, the yeah, that's that's exactly the thing. There, this applies to business owners. It applies to your personal life. It applies to sports teams. It applies to everything, right? Because change is inevitable, and uncertainty is just a, a the cousin of change. Right. So. You you write in the book the importance of being hyper aware and why that's. Uh, super valid and vital as it relates to uncertainty. Can you unpack that? Because I think self-awareness is something that's not being talked enough about and is vital when it comes to leading and showing up powerfully in uncertain times. Yeah. So this one's huge because in the book, no spoilers, but um, there's a character who her name is Catch and she's the one who's going to be operating the crane game. She's the human player who's going to maybe take them out of their world and, and show them what's next. And um, Catch is, it's kind of evident that she is this thing, this looming thing that might change everything, right? So we see with the characters, you know, only one of them, I won't even say who, is sort of understanding that catch's presence is different that something is different and they need to be prepared because there is something that may change what's going on so this character is more ready for the inevitability of change versus the other characters who are basically unaware that change can ever occur you know they are pretty stuck in the fact that they have been toys in this crane game for years and years and years and they've never gotten scooped up and they're not going to get scooped up again or or this time but one character understands that things are probably going to be different right so it's about awareness in regard to um basically detaching from expectation right you're you're detaching yourself from the expectation that what always has occurred will continue to occur Jordan, what was the one of the biggest lessons that you learned in writing this? I mean, I'm sure you you when you were writing this this you know book, you had kind of you know, an agenda, not necessarily like to push on anybody, but you kind of had like a theme. And knowing you, you've probably learned some things or potentially changed some of your opinions or stances in the process of this book being put together. Any any like epiphanies or anything that you were like really took away from from this project? Um. I mean, a ton, but I I think when it comes to this project in particular, it was really uh, my first time working with that traditional publishing model where I had 
a phenomenal editor and publishing team and marketing team and uh, cover designer and interior designer, right? So I, I think for me, especially as, as a leader, a solopreneur, somebody who like my work is, is my, my baby. So the business owners, like your work is, is your baby. I think letting go of control and this, this uh, relates directly to the message from the book, letting go of that control and placing my faith, my hope of the uncertainty surrounding this project was so impactful. Just saying, Hey, I understand that you guys are the experts in marketing. You guys are the experts in publishing. You're the expert in distribution. So I am just going to do my storytelling job. I am proud of the fact that I was the spark plug that set this project on fire. But let me allow, let me give people the opportunity to work their magic and move forward with their parts of the project so we can make it have the impact that we want it to. So that was a huge learning for me is just, giving up that control of each little piece, right? Like my editor ended up telling me that it was almost one of the easiest, most seamless people he's ever worked with on editing because I would just say to him, like, I will do the changes that you want me to make because you're the expert here. Yeah. So I, I learned that very quickly and, and that was really rewarding because now as I look at the project in totality, like sure, in the moment it was challenging to say, okay, I think this is going to be better long-term, but in totality, um, it, it's, it's really rewarding to just say, I appreciate it. And I'm so grateful for like the team effort that goes into making a book, making a business, making something happen. Yeah. As we, as we look to the future, 2021 is still has a lot of uncertainty. And I just think from the world that, you know, I'm, I'm a part of, there's a lot of uncertainty that's going to happen with taxes, with, you know, the printing of money with what's going to happen to businesses are real estate prices going to stay stay this high and continue or are they is there going to be a crash or is the government going to regulate bitcoin like there's so there's so many things that like i mean people's livelihoods are on the line here what would your what would your message be to people that are like uncertain and it might not be they might not be a business owner they're just uncertain in general will i have a job will i what is going to happen what would your message be to that person? So my work is heavily inspired by Dr. Spencer Johnson, who wrote another book called Who Moved My Cheese? And hopefully a lot of you have read that because it's the first parable written about navigating change. And like I said, change and uncertainty are so linked together. Dr. Johnson and, and I see my work very linked to his because I see what happens in tomorrow world, opti, pessy, sage, and chill as the preceding mindsets that we have when we are thinking about change and uncertainty. With Who Moved My Cheese, he also created four characters that demonstrate the behaviors associated once change occurs. So that's really important for the message that you just shared with me, the question you asked of change has occurred, right? We don't know what's going to happen, but change has clearly occurred. So what do you do now? Well, just like myself, or I should 
say that in reverse. I emulated the work of Dr. Johnson and because he created these four characters in his book, Who Moved My Cheese, and they are four representations of how people respond when change does occur, right? So mine, before change, your mindset, Dr. Johnson, Who Moved My Cheese, after change, your behavior. And he had four categories. So number one, he has he tells the story of rats going through a maze and they've been going to the same cheese for so long and all of a sudden the cheese gets moved. So there are two characters, Sniff and Scurry, right? Sniff sniffs out the change, understands, I can smell the cheese. It's somewhere else. I'm going to go after it. I'll figure it out logically. I'll just go and adapt to this change. That's one behavior. Scurry says, I'm going to behave how I know best. I'm super fast. I'm just going to run, 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 and go straight at the new cheese. I'm going to basically fully embrace the change, go toward it, work toward it, understand that I can get through this. Um, and then there are two other characters, Hem and Haw. And at mm. first, Hem and Haw are trying to go back and forth and balance whether or not they're going to accept the change. And Haw ultimately says, you know what? Like, I have to change my skills. I have to be more like Scurry. I have to be more like Sniff, who were able to get the new cheese, right? And that cheese is the, the job, the, the business safety, the stability, whatnot. Um, so that character ha, ultimately goes and finds the cheese as well. And then finally, the last behavior, which was Hem, was the one that did not change. You know, Hem decided, I don't, I don't want to change my skills. I don't want to change my resume. I don't want to change my business model. I don't want to change the way I do my taxes. I don't want to change my insurance plan because... I've always done it a certain way and I believe in that way and I'm not going to change. So kept going to where the old cheese was, but that old cheese never showed up in that place again. And ultimately, you know, you got to think starved to death. So that was the one character who did not adapt to change, who did not buy into the new way the world was working and ultimately did not eat their cheese. So that's what I would say in a roundabout way is embrace the change, embrace the uncertainty. Your ways have worked beautifully until now, but as the world changes, you must as well. Yeah. I think there's, there's a word that comes to my mind is humility. Mm -hmm. You have to have humility as you're approaching uncertainty, but then also there's, there's something about wisdom because principles don't you can they translate they might look different you know how 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 to win friends and influence people when it was written those principles still relate to today but mm -hmm. you might you might not take the literal examples i wouldn't necessarily use the copy that right writes in letters because people would right. be like what's going on but the heart the principle behind right. it is the same and that's why i love the work that you're doing because your work is going to live on forever it's not actually i just had a moment where it's brilliant is why just going back to the go-giver like it wasn't written around a a time where it's like oh like that's not relevant because 2008 is no longer a thing it's, right. it's more of a parable right and if, even if you look at some of the most co best communicators 
in history, parables and the power of that. So, so Jordan, thank you. Is there anything else that you want to share with my audience as it relates to the work in this book, the work that you're up to in the world, and just some of the things that you've learned? Yeah, so I think the last thing to mention, and it's it's in the back of the book, but th this whole book and my whole storytelling mindset is powered by imagitivitation, uh, this concept I created, which is basically a form of manifestation, right, Caleb? Like, we know manifestation and visualization and the secret and that you can think, think and grow rich, you can think it into reality, but... I was a fan, I am a fan of that idea, but I, I need something a little more strategic and tangible, right? So I created Imagitivitation. It's a four word uh, combination, a four word process, and it just gives a little more depth to going after any sort of ambitious opportunity. It's, it's a form of goal setting, right? So it stands for imagination. The first step in having a dream, a, a vision, is, is to actually think yourself at that end point, right? Imagine what it's going to be like to have this amazing business where you're inspiring the people you want to inspire, you're getting the, the feedback you want to get, you are making the income you want to make, right? Imagine that. Really feel what that's like. That's like the visualization piece, but don't stop there. Then I go into interpretation, the second part. And that's like my Simon Sinek, start with why. Interpret why this is the dream you want to have. Like, that's super important. So you always ha have a motivator, right? So interpret why this is the business you want to create. Interpret why these are the people you want to help. Interpret why this is the amount of money you make and why it's the life that you want to live, right? So that's that second piece. The third piece is when you get to have some fun with creativity. Creativity means how are you going to make a plan and, and create the vision that, that you have? So are you going to reverse engineer it? Are you going to, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to hire a team? Are you going to, are you going to write a book? Are you going to speak on stage? Like what's that plan look like? And then finally, implementation is my favorite part because that's just doing it. That's the trial and error. That's the experimentation. That's the day-to-day -day grind of implementing this plan that you just created with an emphasis on still thinking about why you created it, always having that imaginative vision in the back of your mind. Um, so that's the, that's the way I created this book. That's the way I was able to get more comfortable with uncertainty was by using my imaginativitation to imagine a world without uncertainty, to interpret why that world is important to creatively design that world using these characters and this fable and then implement it by writing this book, having talks with people like you where I can share the message and, and try to continue this conversation forward with whoever wants to navigate uncertainty in their personal, professional, whatever kind of life that it is. So that's that's huge for me. That word is a nightmare for people like me that can't spell or have a hard time reading. But yes, I, I think that's brilliant. And yeah. I think a lot of people are lacking the actual implement. It's like you read They Could Grow Rich, you read The Secret, whatever these. And it's like you don't implement. Mm -hmm. But but there's there's some other things about the the imagine's got to be imp uh, important. But then also the interp like being able to interpret. That's also I think that that goes into self awareness. Mm -hmm. oh, that was that that's very well remember yeah. me when you when you become the next Simon Sinek when you do this this talk that goes viral uh, mm -hmm. very much see 
see that being needed in the marketplace. Jordan, how can people connect with you? How can people like follow your work? And obviously, I'm hoping that if you've listened this long or if you're watching on YouTube, um, that you can support my friend Jordan getting his book. And uh, because you you know that you're getting in on the on the next like big thought leader. And so, Jordan, I'm just so grateful for your friendship. And I, I want to know how people can support your work. Thanks, man. That's that's super meaningful to me, and I appreciate it. And I'll I'll try to do you proud. Um, the best way to connect is actually to send me a LinkedIn message. That's like where I answer everything. Uh, it's Jordan Gross on LinkedIn. You can find me on there. Um, to stay involved in my world, and I appreciate the the book, and I really hope you read this one because it is it is so. And it's only a hundred pages, by the way. So yeah. if people are scared by long books, it's only a hundred and two pages. Um, that's with activities and one, I think the story itself is probably like 75. Uh, in addition to the book, I hope this is my, this is my third book, my third of a hundred books that I'm going to write. And they're all going to be personal development through creative storytelling, a level of, of reimagining personal development, mental health. I'm right now I'm in school to become a therapist, right? So some sort of mental health message with, creativity involved. So to be a part of the stories that I write and the world that I live in, I, I hope you can join my email list in some way where I just send these creative stories and some ideas once or twice a month. And that is by downloading a free resource or watching a trailer for the What Happens in Tomorrow World book or going to my website and just signing up. Um, so yeah, that that would be great too to just stay involved and and really feel like the reimagining personal development through creative storytelling brand. Jordan, this will be this will be fun for me because the question I end my podcast with, and you answered this uh, two years ago. We'll see if the answer has changed. Mm -hmm. um, but it's is if this was your last day on earth and you were with the people that you love the most and you couldn't give them anything, you couldn't even give them any of the writings uh, that you that you've written. What would that last conversation be if, if you only had one, one last conversation? That one last conversation would, will bring one of my storytelling techniques is to bring the, you know, bring a full circle and bring the beginning to the end. And I would say to, to have that story where you're a grandma or a grandpa and you've got your grandkids hopefully sitting on your lap in that rocking chair and you get to look back and tell them the story of your life and, and try to make that story like you are the superhero. You are the main character who has this exciting, beautiful life that your grandkids are going to be proud to hear. They're going to want to stay on your lap. They're going to want to ask you questions about that story. Um, so that's, that's really what I would share. I think that's, that might be different than last time. Yes. I love it, man. I appreciate you excited for the work that, that, that you're doing. And, uh, thank you for taking time out of your day to be on the show. You too. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Mariah. Thank you to you and the work that you do. Um, it's amazing. You're just helping people left and right. And I'm so proud to be a friend and, uh, a fan and we were young guys, man. We got a lot, a lot of people to help and a lot of time to do it. We, we, Jordan and I, on our spare time, talk about fiction books that teach people about money. So stay tuned. Jordan's influencing some things that I think are going to translate into impact and into action. And that word impl implement 
What what was that word that you made up? That imaginativitation. My goal this year is to be able to spell that. If that it's happens, I'm gonna be <laughs> saying it is good enough. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm not even gonna try because it's, <laughs> it's been a good interview. I don't wanna I don't wanna end on a bad note. Dude, I appreciate you. Have a great rest of your day. And everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth podcast. Or if you're watching, we are continuing to try to grow our YouTube channel. And so uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Um, liking the video, sharing this with someone that it literally needs to hear this message uh, would be huge. And our whole purpose is unlocking intentional living. I believe intentional living is the metric and that looks different for each person. So be able to identify that and then live your life, your time, your money, um, build relationships with people that can help you live more intentionally. Um, and with that, have a great rest of your weekend.